0: Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. And this is a solo episode. So every now and then I do a solo episode. And this one came to mind because I am currently working with a group of women in a mastermind. And one of the things that came up for them that we are now, it's like kind of the theme of their mastermind and it's a little bit about reinvention, but a big underlying thing that has come up with it is the imposter syndrome. And we've talked about that before on this show. I've had other guests on the show to talk about it. I've talked about it. What does that mean, imposter syndrome? And some of this also came out of a course that I just created called Selling with Confidence. So be on the lookout for that. That will be coming soon. I'm going into the studio at Sales Gravy next week to get that recorded, which this show is brought to you by Sales Gravy. So I thought I would dive into this a little bit just from an education standpoint on what is imposter syndrome? Where does it come from? And how do we start to get past it? Because I know that phrase kind of piques everybody's interest. So I found some really great articles and this actually got spurred from a study I found and I paid for it because I, I wanted this abstract that was done by very smart people. And it comes from called Psychotherapy, Theory, Research, and Practice, Volume 15. And this actually goes back to the late 70s. But this article, it's called The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention. And it talks a lot about the impact on women. Now, men have this imposter syndrome syndrome situation, but they did a study on women and how it's so much more prevalent with women. And then I found several articles that actually I could tell came out of the research study. So I found some really good um, information on that. One article in particular, it's on healthline.com if you want to check that out by a woman named, I believe she's a therapist, her name is Crystal Raypole. So I just want to make sure I'm giving credit where credit is due on this because I'm really fascinated by it. So I want to share a couple things, just kind of some highlights of what I found and I want to summarize that. So I'm taking a moment to actually. Share my screen for those of you who are watching this on video by chance. When we look at what imposter syndrome is, right, just to define it simply, it covers unfounded feelings of self doubt and incompetence. Uh, it's actually also called perceived fraudulence. That was interesting. Uh, it causes you to work harder and hold yourself to, to ever higher standards. So think about this. It's like you. You think you're not doing enough. And so you end up working harder and it feels like it's just never enough. Or maybe you're in a situation where someone you work for feels like it's never enough or it's your perception that they think it's never enough or your clients feel like it's never enough and you ultimately keep working harder to do it. And what happens is this actually leads to burnout. And in this study that I found, the imposter, imposter phenomenon That actually, I hate to say it was depressing, that it leads to depression. I guess it's not surprising, but good to know. Also, you write off your success. I think this was, to me, the most fascinating. You write off success to timing or good luck and not your own merit. So think about that, right? Sometimes we also struggle with taking a compliment when someone gives it to us, like, oh, no, it's no big thing, or, oh, I was in the right place at the right time, oh, I just got lucky and we kind of brush it off. I'm not going to go into all the details of the study, but (laughs) this really goes back to our childhood and how we were treated. So if we think about where that comes from, I'll talk about that in a moment. But the big, a big underlying thing here is that we often feel, you feel, I I mean, I feel this a lot, that we have fooled others. Like they're gonna, they haven't quite caught on to us yet. And there are five areas, five competency areas or internal beliefs that we actually fall into around this imposter syndrome. But if we go back to just go back a little bit to where it comes from. So think about how you grew up as a kid. Were you the kid who was always compared to another sibling, right? You had the sibling who was like, always killing it, always getting good grades, always excelled in sports, like they could do no wrong. As I read through this study, I realized I was that kid that actually had an impact on my brother because I was that kid who always got good grades, always excelled, never could do things wrong. Now, that sounds great if you were that kid, but that's also another issue if you were that kid because when you're a high achiever, then it actually gets compounded by, this expectation of always being a high achiever. And so people expect you to do really well all the time. And the second that you don't, you get really hard on yourself. I mean, I'm just summarizing the study. So I would say go back, go and read the study and we'll put links to the study in the show notes. So I think a lot of this imposter syndrome comes really back down to a very young age for us and how we were raised. So either we were constantly being compared to someone else, Or we were such a high achiever that the expectations were higher for us. So if you look at these five internal beliefs, and I walk through this with this group, we can fall into a number of these areas. I know I fall into a few of them. So if it's okay with everybody, I'm actually going to read through some of these for you just to kind of give you a breakdown and what these are. So if you look at the perfectionists, right, if you look at the perfectionists, You focus, if you're a perfectionist, you focus primarily on how you do things, often to the point where you demand perfection of yourself in every aspect of your life. Yet, since perfection isn't always a realistic goal, you can't meet these standards. Instead of acknowledging the hard work you've put in after completing a task, you might criticize yourself for small mistakes and feel ashamed of your failure. You might even try, you might even avoid trying new things if you believe you can't do them perfectly the first time. Anybody? Just me? I feel like I fall into that that one. I feel like I fall into a little bit of all these. So if we go and we look at the natural genius, and again, this comes from um, that article I mentioned by Crystal, the natural genius. You've spent your life picking up new skills with little effort and believe you should understand new material and processes right away. Your belief that competent people can handle anything with little difficulty leads you to feel like a fraud when you do have a hard time. So I think about some of the things that would come really easy and naturally to me, right? Probably improv is a big one for me or speaking is a big one for me. Or sometimes in school, there were certain subjects that I was just good at and I'd never had to study. So then when I failed, I was like, whoa, what is wrong with me? I should be able to do this. So if something doesn't come easily to you or you fail to succeed on your first try, you might feel ashamed and embarrassed, okay? Number three, the rugged individualist, or this is the soloist, you believe you should be able to handle everything on your own, basically, solo. If you can't achieve success independently, you consider yourself unworthy. Asking someone for help or accepting support when it's offered doesn't just mean failing your own high standards. It also means admitting your inadequacies and showing yourself as a failure. So when I think about the rugged individualist, we were talking in this mastermind, there was someone in particular that I kind of just like, hey, that's you. I'm not going to say who it is. You know who you are. And she fell into that category and maybe another category. There's some of us that we have been put in these positions to be survivors. And so we have just become these individualists. So this will impact us if at some point we're not succeeding as that soloist that we've always succeeded as. And then if you look at the expert, before you consider your work a success, you want to learn everything there is to know on the topic. Okay, as a trainer at Sales Gravy and as a trainer for the past 20 years, I see this come up a lot. People are trying to like, they want to learn every single thing, which actually slows down their action. So sometimes they don't get things accomplished because they're spending so much time trying to learn so many things because they think that's going to build up their credibility if they keep learning. But if you're actually not applying what you're learning, that expertise almost doesn't matter. So going back more into that, you might spend so much time pursuing your quest for more information that you end up having to devote more time to your main task. Since you believe you should have all the answers, you might consider yourself a fraud or a failure when you can't answer a question or encounter some knowledge you previously missed. Hmm, anybody relate to that? All right, let's talk about the superhero. I think this one's a big one for women. I mean, I think this is probably a big one for men too in the roles that they play. Now, the study that I referenced, there was a lot of research and data on the societal norms and expectations on women and men. And again, this goes back to the 70s, but has much changed? I mean, we think we've moved forward, but we see a lot of things happening lately that kind of puts us way back to decades. So there's that. So superhero, you link competence to your ability to succeed in every role you hold, student, friend, employee, or parent. Failing to successfully navigate the demands of these roles simply proves, in your opinion, your inadequacy. To succeed then, you push yourself to the limit, expending as much energy as possible in every role. Anybody? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Just me? Still, even this maximum effort may not resolve your imposter feelings. You might think, I should be able to do more. This should be easier. Right. And so so whether you fall in one or several of these, it's just good to have this knowledge that this happens, that we fall into this and to be aware of it. Now, I've talked I talked about where this comes from, but some highlights on this, where it comes from, parenting and childhood environment. You might develop imposter feelings if your parents pressured you to do well in school, compared you to your siblings, were controlling or overprotective emphasized your natural intelligence, sharply criticized mistakes, right? So it kind of all goes back to that. So those are things to realize about where it comes from, where we fall into it, but let's talk about let's talk about how do we start working through it? How do we remedy this? How do we deal with this? So a couple different things to take into consideration with that, acknowledging your feelings, all in the feels. This is really emotional intelligence. Tracking that, of like how you are feeling, paying attention to that, writing it down. This is something that I do when it comes to the confidence thing and building our confidence. One thing that I do, it is one of the five steps in my five step framework for selling with confidence is giving myself props, giving myself props. And what I mean by that is, is actually acknowledging, telling myself what I did well, like, hey, I did that well. And every day I will track something I did well from the day before. And it could be the smallest little thing, both personally and professionally. Like if I just if I was able to schedule a first time appointment with a prospect, I'm like, oh, yay, I did that. What did I do well about that? How did I do that? well? Or if I I had a stepmom win, right, because I'm new at it, right? I give myself props for that. Number two, building connections. What's interesting about this in this group of women that I'm working with This is kind of what we created in this mastermind group is that we are this connection, this group of women coming together with some similar um, challenges and aspirations, even though we're all really different. When we talk about how we are trying to do some reinvention or set goals, right? that would be the common theme, even though those things are different, but we can bounce them off each other. And what's been interesting about that is that this group of women, they're like an incredible group of women they're like, wow, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one feeling this way. So there's a lot to be said about connecting with other people who feel this way. You'd be surprised that there are way more people feeling imposter syndrome than you could imagine. So you're not alone. Go, get, go build those connections. Challenge your doubts. <laughs> Challenge your doubts, right? When you think that you failed at something or you didn't do something so well, like, challenge it. Like, is it factual? Is it factual that you didn't do it well? Like, do you have proof you didn't do it well? Or is it something that you're feeling you didn't do well? Because like, we feel things, but then we have to realize what are we thinking and where's that coming from? And is it rational and getting control of those emotions with that? Or just because somebody else doubts you doesn't mean you should doubt you. So challenge the doubts and ask yourself, is this factual? Do these have facts? Can I back this up? Avoid comparison. I think this is the biggest challenge that we all have. We compare ourselves to others and we can't do that because nobody is you. Nobody is me. And avoiding comparison is actually going to get you, I get it, it's hard, but it's going to get you past this feeling less than or not enough. So one of the things I tell people is like, really, Make a list of things that you're that you excel at, or you're great at, or that that you're better than others, or you own that spot. Like I know, I own improv in sales. I don't own improv. I own the way I do it and how I apply it, and not just in sales, but in leadership, in problem solving, in innovation. Right? I've been doing this for almost twenty years now, and I I own it in a special, different, unique way. And while there's a lot of talented people out there that use improv as a modality, they all do it in their awesome, unique way, right? But I'm not going to compare myself to them. I'm just going to be like, oh, cool. I love the way they're doing that. And then number five, track positive feedback. This one, right, kind of goes hand in hand. What I was talking about with props, like I give myself props, but we have to actually journal or inventory the positive feedback we get for the things that we do well. We get so focused and stuck in the negativity bias of ourselves of like, ah, oh, I did that bad. I didn't do that well. Okay. How can I do it different next time? And we focus so much on the, I need to improve this or we get a performance review, right? And we're told what we're not doing well. And often we're not told what we are doing well. Well, we can't, we can't fully rely on someone overtly coming out and telling us we did well, right? We have to actually go solicit it. And I do this. I've done this for quite some time. This is a tough one. I was actually talking to my friend Rachel about this. When someone gives me a compliment and says, hey, gosh, you're so good at that. I'm like, awesome, thank you. So number one, we have a hard time actually saying thank you and acknowledging it. I don't know why, but many of us do. Right. So number one, thank you. I have a side note story about that as a child. Someone gave me feet. Somebody said to me when I was a little girl, you have the most beautiful long eyelashes. And I said, I know. <laughs> and it's interesting because that adult then said to me, oh, you can't say that. You must say thank you. You shouldn't say I know. And isn't that interesting that it was, I was reprimanded for having confidence. Like, I know I have beautiful long eyelashes because people kept people told me that my whole life as a little girl. So a side note story, we have to just like own it when we know that we're good at something. So when someone says, hey, you did a really good job at that, I usually say, great, thank you. Could you be more specific for me and understand where I'm coming from? I want to know what I'm doing well so I can actually con- to continue to up my game with what I'm doing well. Can you give me specifics on it? Now, I've been thinking about this and I talk to people about this. I think For some of us or some of you, you might not feel comfortable with that. Think about this. It can feel for a second egotistical or you might ask yourself, is someone going to look at me like I'm fishing for compliments? Hmm. Yes, you are fishing for compliments and it's okay. Right? It's not about look at me, love me, give me a compliment. It's about I want to know what I'm doing well. And I wanna know how people see me and perceive me because I can't always see it for myself. And because I've tracked that over the years of like, tell me more about what I did well with that or tell me why you thought that was good. I've now been able to build up the confidence of I know where I'm really good. I know where I'm really good, right? And then I can work on the things I'm not good at, but I wanna really focus on how do I continue to fine tune what I'm really good at? right? Because then that becomes my thing and my walk in life. So do not feel like, now I don't have scientific studies on this, but don't feel like it's wrong to actually fish for a compliment because this is actually going to give you more confidence, which is going to help you get rid of the imposter syndrome. So that's what I wanted to share with you today was this imposter syndrome thing. And a side note on imposter syndrome. So even the words imposter syndrome. You don't sound so positive, right? Because imposter means you're doing something wrong and you're trying to fool somebody. And syndrome sounds like some kind of medical or mental condition I'd have a syndrome. And so it's just that phrase. So maybe perceived fraudulence is the better way to go. And I wanted to share that with you today because we talk about imposter syndrome, but we never really talk about what it is, where it comes from and how we can start to eliminate it. So thanks for listening to this short solo episode this week. And thank you for Sales Gravy being the sponsor of The Women Your Mother Warned You About. And hey, you can up-level your game and start feeling better about yourself by acquiring more skills. It's something else that I talk about in Selling with Confidence. It's like, how do we get more learning, more knowledge that's going to make us feel more confident? So go check out salesgravy.university. At salesgravy.university, we've had almost 300 courses, both on demand and live. And you can take courses that will improve your skills, which will make you feel more confident in what you're doing. So thanks again for listening and check us out at WomenYourMotherWarnJabout.com. And you can also watch us now on YouTube. So go check that out. And of course, go check out salesgravy.university. See you guys next time. Bye.